Second Timothy chapter four. We've got three messages left in Second Timothy, and then we're on into Titus, and we'll finish up the pastoral epistles: First, Second Timothy, and Titus. Tonight we want to talk about living in the power of God's presence. When we live in the power of God's presence, it's going to bear upon our perspective, our perseverance, and our priorities. And we're going to see that break down in the first five verses of 2 Timothy chapter 4 tonight. Now when we talk about the presence of God, I want to make this distinction. Obviously the Bible teaches that our God is omnipresent. Meaning, there's nowhere where you and I can ever go and not be in His presence, if you know what I mean. God obviously is always aware of everything that goes on in the universe. So even the Bible says, you know, the psalmist says, where can I go away from your presence? There's nowhere where we can escape the presence of God. But that's not what we're talking about tonight. This is a different sort of manifestation of the presence of God. This is where the presence of God bears upon his people in a way that when he comes in, In this manner, it's not just that he's there, he's omnipresent, but that he's actually moving and working. He's comforting, he's refreshing, he's restoring, he's redeeming, he's encouraging. He's doing all of those things by his presence, you see. That's like, so throughout the Old Testament, we'll start there. You go all the way back to the book of Genesis, and God says to Abraham, I'm going to be with you. Then later on, Joseph, all that Joseph went through over and over again in the story of Joseph, the Lord was with him. You come to the book of Exodus and you see that Moses had the promise of God's presence when he sent him back to Egypt to get his people. You go through the prophets. God said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I know that the task that I'm, you know, calling upon you to do is very challenging, but I will be with you. Don't be afraid. And then I love one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, Isaiah 41.10, where God says to the prophet Isaiah and to the people of God, do not be afraid. I am with you. Do not be frightened. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you by my mighty right hand. The presence of God. You come on into the New Testament. And what does Jesus teach us? Where two or three are assembled in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Jesus is here tonight. He is here tonight. He's with us. And again, it's not just, well, his presence is just sort of hovering, omnipresent. No, his presence is here to minister to us. His presence is here to instruct us. Whatever we need, comforting, healing, being made whole, God's presence and the power of his presence is here. The very last thing that Matthew records in his gospel after Jesus had given the Great Commission. 
of going and making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to observe all things. What does Jesus say? The very last thing he says, and remember this, guys, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Matthew 28, 20. I'm with you. We need to live in and by the power of His presence. Knowing that He is with His people. Again, not just in a, well, He's God, He's always here. No, it's more than that. It's more than that. And when you and I are really working in concert, or we're really connected with God, it's something that's even palpable that you and I can feel. I mean, we even had many people here at the Oasis say, I I feel God now. I I feel His Spirit moving. I I feel Him working. I, I I can sense His presence. It's that powerful. And it is. It is. And, and He is always there with us. We just need to be open to Him and conscious of His presence and acknowledging His presence and even inviting His presence and receiving His presence, saying, God, we, we want you here. We want to open up this place and we want you to minister. We want you to do what you want to do. That's all part of experiencing the presence of God. So notice in chapter 4, verse 1, that Paul says to Timothy, I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus. The word before is the key word. It literally means before the face of God the Father in Jesus Christ. In the presence of God the Father in Jesus Christ. In other words, this charge that Paul is giving Timothy, he is reminding him right off the bat in these first uh, uh, verses of the last chapter that you and I can live in the power of His presence. We're always before God the Father, God the Son, and then obviously God the Holy Spirit lives within us. You want to talk about presence, you see. And so God wants His people to know the presence of God. And this is one of the last things that Paul's going to share with Timothy because, again, it's one of the most important things that will help us to endure and persevere. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But before we do, Paul takes the opportunity here in verse 1 to talk about the fact that living in the power of His presence bears upon our perspective when it comes to things future. Because notice, he says, I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom. He's talking about future things. And when you and I live in the presence of God, it helps us and enables us not to live for the here and now, but to live for eternity. To live for what's coming. To lay up treasure in heaven. To set our affection on things above, not things on the earth. To live for what is going to last and what matters most. And Paul is reminding him, when you and I are conscious of God's presence in our life, His presence will help us to keep our perspective above the here and now and looking to the future. The future. And knowing by the presence of God that we can look to the future with confidence. Because God says, even if you go through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm there. 
Never leave you nor forsake you. You know, I'll be right there with you. So I'm going to be with you every step of the rest of your earthly life. And then that transition that you make from earth to heaven, I'll be right there with you. We're never going to be separated. Never. Never a time. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, Romans chapter 8. So Paul is saying to Timothy, I solemnly charge you. What's a charge? Well, I think a, a... Probably the best analogy that I could think of for a charge is a graduation speech. (laughs) You know, where you have this group of graduates, whether it's high school or college or whatever, and, you know, they've been educated, at least some of them, uh, and and they they have all these gifts and abilities, and they've got the rest of their life ahead of them, and, and what's the graduation speakers for the, you know, like, get out there and, you know, serve others and don't just live for yourself and make the most of your life and your education. That's, that's a charge. And, and Paul's doing the same thing with Timothy here. He's saying, Timothy, God has given you these gifts and stir them up and you have all these opportunities and, oh, and there's eternity out there. Live for eternity. Live in the presence of God so that you and I can live every day for eternal things. Now, he reminds Timothy, God is going to judge the living and the dead. And even for those of us who are children of God, it's hard for us not to come to that word judge and look at it negatively. But we shouldn't. There's nothing negative in just that word. I mean, can it be? Absolutely. And God is going to judge so many one day. But this word is also a word that Paul used in the New Testament to speak about those who were being rewarded or awarded at the Olympic or Ismithian Games, you know, the sporting events, that after they had achieved a certain thing that they were judged and given things. In fact, he even makes reference to that, and we're going to look at this next week, when he says in verse 8 of chapter 4, Finally, the crown of righteousness is reserved for me. The Lord, the righteous judge, will reward or award it to me in that day. So Paul doesn't look at that judgment that's coming as a negative thing. It's a time of reward and vindication for his people. And so again, Paul wants Timothy to be reminded of that. Yes, God is our judge, but for us who are the children of God, who've had our sins forgiven on the cross of Christ, our judgment is going to be rewards and awards for our faithful living. Not for our sin. That was taken care of once and for all by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so he says to Timothy, look ahead. What's your life going to be evaluated by? What's the judge, the righteous judge, going to award or reward you one day, Timothy? Live with that in mind. And how can we live with that in mind? By living in the power of His presence. Because His presence will bear that kind of a perspective on us each and every day that we live. Then he talks about His appearing in His kingdom. And he's he's saying to Timothy, Timothy, you you realize that God so wants to be with us that 
He's coming back to get us, as he said in John 14. I go to prepare a place, but if I go, I'm coming back so that you can be with me. Do you, do you realize Jesus, the sinless Son of God, this glorious, awesome God, wants to spend time with us forever. He wants to be in our presence. He wants us to be in His presence. It's, it's one of the, again, encouraging things when you read the end of the story about like Revelation where it says, and we'll be with Him and we will see His face and God will wipe every tear away from their eyes and God will be with them and they will be His people and He will be their God. And there's this appearing that's going to take place. Or as John says, when we see Him, we'll be like Him for we shall see Him as He is when He appears to us. So even though we sense and feel and know the power of His presence now, one day we're literally going to stand in His presence. What an awesome opportunity that's going to be. And you and I can't even begin to fathom or imagine what that's going to be like. And yeah, I know the, you know, what we'll be like when we stand before Jesus, the song, you know, I, I can't, can't imagine. Well, I, it's probably true. Because when you think about it, in, in some ways, I think Jesus is going to try to make us feel comfortable in his presence. That's the way he was on earth. Yet at the same time, we can never forget that he is the Lord of glory. The one that the seraphim, the Bible says, who are sinless beings, they've never sinned like us, yet they even continually cover their eyes in in order that they cannot behold all of the light and glory of God. And yet in one day, we're going to be in his presence presence. And the Bible says that there's not even going to be any sun anymore. There's not going to be any need for any kind of sun or stars or light because Jesus Christ himself will light up the new heavens and the new earth. And we're going to be in his presence? Yeah. And so again, Paul says, Timothy, living in the power of his presence now helps us keep that perspective of what's coming and to live in light of that every day. And then he talks about his kingdom. Jesus is is, is not only coming back to appear, but coming back to set up an earthly kingdom that he wants you and I again to be a part of and to to co-rule and reign with him. Because for him, it's all about this relationship. See, that's even why God wants his presence established in our lives and why he wants us to live in light of his presence every day. Why? Because it's a relationship. It's connection. It's it's being close to God. And before you and I actually see Him face to face, He wants us to live in the power of His presence every day. That even though we don't see Him, as Peter says, we love Him and we believe in Him. And we know that one day He will appear and His kingdom will come and we will be a part of it. So, first off, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, I charge you solemnly before the very face of God, the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Remember what's coming. And living in light, in the light of His presence now, helps keep our perspective on eternal things and things that are coming that then determine how we live here and now. 
He's going to judge. He's going to appear. And he's going to bring in his kingdom. Then beginning in verse 2, Paul shifts a little bit. He says, not only does living in the power of God's presence bear upon our perspective, but it bears upon our perseverance in this way. And then I'm going to come back and share a few other things from verse 2. But he says, preach the message or the word of God, the truth of God. Be ready, whether it is convenient or not. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and instruction. And yes, he's talking to a pastor But can I just say that we all as Christians have the responsibility to get the word of God out? We do. And then he says this, For there will be a time when people will not tolerate sound teaching. Instead, following their own desires, they will accumulate teachers for themselves because they have an insatiable curiosity to hear new things and they will turn away from hearing the truth. But on the other hand, they will turn aside to myths. Now the reason then why I believe that Paul here is teaching that living in light of the power of God's presence bears upon our perseverance is notice what Paul's asking Timothy to do here. He's saying, Timothy, you've got to continue to teach the word and the truth of God regardless of if anybody cares to listen to you or not. Now remember... Timothy's already having a hard time persevering and enduring because of all the opposition and resistance and everything. And now Paul's saying, oh, Timothy, it's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. More and more people will turn away from hearing this truth that God has called you to teach. They're not going to be as interested in it anymore. As Amos says, there's going to be a famine in the land. And it's not a famine of bread. It's a famine of hearing the word of God. And Paul says, here's why you've got to continually live in the power of God's presence, knowing that God is with you, bearing upon you to persevere in spite of what audience or lack of it you have. Because, Timothy, it will get harder and harder to stand and share God's word when people just aren't interested in it anymore. And let me say this, it's really hard for you as a Christian to maybe talk to other people about the Word of God, even maybe other Christians, and they're not really that interested in talking about the Word of God. We're going to have a conversation about the Bible? Oh, well, okay. And yet I love the fact that I have friends that I know we can get together and we can just jabber about biblical stuff all the time. I don't think there's anything better. But in order to live in a time like that, we need to know that God is with us. And again, God doesn't hold us responsible for the response. All God asks of us is to be faithful to his word and to his message and to get it out there any way that we can, to be seed planters that plant the seed of God. Because the only Lasting hope for mankind is the word of God, which is why then Paul says to Timothy, preach or proclaim. It's literally like be a a town crier, a herald is what the word meant in the original language. Be a herald of the word of God. Communicate any way you can the message of God, the truth of God. 
Because God is a communicator. He communicated with us, and now he wants us to communicate his word to others. But that takes perseverance, especially, again, in the climate, if you will, in which we live, where less and less people really desire to hear the word of God. Churches today that would have some, say, special group come in to maybe do a Christian concert, pack the place out. Advertise that a preacher's coming and doing a couple nights of meetings, and you'll hear crickets. Chirp, 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 chirp. There'll be lots of seats empty. Because there's not the, oh, I'm going to hear the Word of God. I can't wait. I mean, there's lines out the door waiting to come in to hear the Word of God, right? No. People busting down the door can't wait to hear what God has to say in His Word. No. But we need to persevere. We can't lose our passion for the message just because less and less people are interested in it. And can I say, maybe, though all of us are called to share His Word, maybe specifically God hasn't called you like He's called me to to literally take on the role of teaching or preaching the Word of God, but God has called you to something. And here's what I want to encourage you with. You have to stay passionate about your ministry and what God's called you to regardless of the climate around you. And the way that we do that as Christians is by living in the power of His presence. Why? Because ultimately, we live and we minister and we serve for the audience of one. We do not ultimately serve other people. We are serving the Lord Jesus Christ, which is why Paul said, what you do, Colossians 3, 22 and 23, do it with enthusiasm as unto the Lord, not for people, because you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, what God would say to Jeff Royce is, Jeff, when you have the opportunity to get up and teach my word, you teach it as if the only person that's sitting there, and maybe that's the only one that is, is the Lord Jesus Christ is there with you. And you do it unto him, because he deserves your very best. He's the Lord of glory. And when his presence is that powerful in our lives, then everything that you and I do, no matter what it is, we will seek to do it for our, to our very best because of His presence bearing upon us and going, we're doing this before God. The face of God is before me. I'm doing this in the presence of God. Therefore, I'm going to give it everything I've got. And I don't care if I'm the only person out here. I'm going to give it everything I've got. See, that's the kind of attitude Paul wanted to instill in Timothy. It would be like this. Timothy, I don't care if you don't have one soul show up to your church in Ephesus. You get up there and you speak the truth of God with everything you've got. Even if the church is empty, you do it. You do it. Because you're doing it before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that power of his presence in our life will not only bear upon our perspective, but it bears upon our perseverance. By the way, one other thing before we move on to verse five, 
I love this. In verse 2, he says, preach the message or communicate the Word of God. And then he says, be ready. It literally means present myself. Be at hand. Make myself available. And then notice what Paul goes on to say. Whether it's convenient or not. In other words, if I truly am living in the presence of God and in the power of His presence, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I will make myself available to Him all the time. Whether it's convenient for me or not, because He's the Lord. If He wants to tap me on the shoulder and say, Jeff, I need you to go over here now and have a conversation over here. I need you to go do this. It's like, well, Lord, but, but no, no. When we're living in the power of His presence, it'd be like, reporting for duty, Lord. What do you have for me today? That's the kind of influence His presence will have in our lives. I mean, think about it through the Old Testament even. And even in the New Testament, those who saw the Lord, what was the first, what do you want me to do, God? What do you want me, I see, you know, Isaiah, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Here I am, Lord, send me. Paul, saw the Lord on the road to Damascus. Lord, what, what can I do for you? When you and I live in the presence of God, we will make ourselves available to Him because we will understand, guess what? God doesn't need to use me. God wants to use me. God, I am ready. I'm, I'm, I'm presenting myself. I'm at hand. You got something for me, God? What is it? Tap me on the shoulder, God. I'm ready. That's what it means to be ready. It means just always make myself available. And here's the cool thing. To me, this is so encouraging for every one of us as Christians. God doesn't look at our ability because He'll give us the ability that we need to do what He's called us to do. All God looks for is that we make ourselves available. God will do the rest. He just simply says, just place yourself in my hands and I'll do the rest, but you've got to make yourself available. And I really believe we're coming in again to a season here at the Oasis where God is saying, are you willing to make yourself available? I got things I want you to do as a church. I got things I want you to do as an individual. Will you make yourself available? Will you, be, whether it's convenient or not. Because here's the thing, God will sometimes tap us when it's not personally convenient for us to say, okay, is it about you or is it about me or others? What, what's it about? You living for you, you living for... And yet there's so many people today that say, I want to serve Christ, but then they give God all these parameters. Well, God, I'll serve you after five on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Can't do weekends, God. That, those are mine. Um, and please, God, you know, I need my rest, so don't, don't, don't wake me after midnight. Once I'm in, asleep and in bed, you know, don't, don't have anybody, you know, in the middle of the night. I, I can't do, you know. No. Be present. Be at hand. Make ourselves available. And when we live in the power of His presence, that will be something that we are very mindful of. God, what do you have for me today? Because again, when we're living in the power of His presence, we won't want to sit on the bench. We will want to get in the game. We'll want to be out there doing something. Man, when I played sports a long time ago, but when I played sports, whether it was football, basketball, or baseball, I didn't want to sit on the bench. I wanted to be in the game. It, it was torture for me at times when I was hurt 
to have to sit on the bench because I couldn't play. But man, if I could play, I wanted to be out there on the field. I wanted to be making a difference. I wanted to exert some kind of influence on the outcome of that game. And God is looking for Christians who have that same attitude. God, I don't want to be a spectator anymore. I want to be a participant. I want to dive into what you have for me. God, put me in, coach. And then in verse 5, Paul says, Living in the power of God's presence will also bear upon our priorities. And Paul gives Timothy four actions, if you will, that Timothy needs to prioritize while he's living under the power of God's presence. Because it's only in living under the power of God's presence that these things will will be achieved and and that they'll be on our minds, if you will, and that that we'll operate this way. So let me take them one at a time because they're really cool and they're really important. And we all struggle at times with each of these areas. The first is be self-controlled. But yet that doesn't maybe mean what we think it might mean in English. What it means is keep your head about you. Keep, or as we say it, keep your wits about you. In other words, these words in the original speak about someone who is calm, collected, and always composed no matter what is going on around them. That's what it means. Now, you and I know we live in a world today where Very few people are calm, collected, and composed. And yet God says, I want my people, because if I'm living in the power of His presence, if I truly believe in Isaiah 41.10, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Don't be terrified. I'm your God. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll uphold you by my mighty right hand. If we believe that, then whatever happens in our life, are we going to go, oh my golly, or are we going to go, you know what, God's got this. Because God's got me. And God's got me in His mighty hands. And nothing's happening to me that hasn't already passed through those mighty hands of God. And He never lets me go. So I can always, if I'm living in the power of His presence, be composed, calm, and collected no matter what goes on, instead of Just losing it and losing our composure, which again is such a bad reflection on God. Because what does that say to people, especially that don't know God? Well, where's their God right now? Or where's their faith in their God? Or what difference does their God make? They're, They're reacting just like the rest of us. They're terrified. They're frightened. You know, Psalm 46, God is our strong refuge, a very present help in time of trouble. Even if the mountains fall into the sea, I'm not going to be afraid because my refuge is God. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Those who run into it are set safely on high. Be self-control. And how do we do that? How do we achieve that? By living under the power of His presence, knowing He's right here. It's not like whatever has now happened to me 
God went in heaven like, oh my goodness, I didn't see that coming, Jeff. Let me take a minute and figure this out. No. God is always in complete control of everything and nothing ever takes God by surprise. Nothing overwhelms God. Nothing troubles God. God always has an answer. We just need to look to Him to be our answer. And to keep our head about us. Even when everyone else is losing their heads. God wants His people to keep our head. Then, as we've talked about a lot through this book, Paul then says, living in the power of His presence will help us to endure hardship. Again, because he... We know God's with us even if we go through and we're experiencing great pain and suffering. Which is what Paul's talked about. Let me remind you and take you back here just a few verses. Remember what Paul said in chapter 1, verse 8 to Timothy? Accept your share of suffering for the gospel. And then over in chapter 2, verse 3, Take your share of suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Then in chapter 2, verse 9, for which I suffer hardship to the point of imprisonment as a criminal. And now Paul is saying, you and I will go through hardship in this life. We will. We will experience suffering and pain. We will, we will be uh, victims, if you will, of evil and wickedness and all of that. But God calls us by living in the power of His presence to endure it. Endure it. Not escape it, but endure it. And we do that, again, by knowing God's with me. If God is for me, then who can be against me? Whatever is happening, God will give us the grace and the strength and the enablement to get through it and to go through it victoriously and overcome it. Some of you may want to look at this later, so I'll give you the reference, but I'm just going to quickly turn there and read these verses now. You want to talk about hardship? In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 24, I just want to read some of what Paul endured as an apostle of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 11.24 Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with a rod. Once I received a stoning. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and day I spent adrift in the open sea. I've been on journeys many times, in dangers from rivers, in dangers from robbers, in dangers from my own countrymen, in dangers from Gentiles, in dangers in the city, in dangers in the wilderness, in dangers at sea, in dangers from false brothers, in hard work and toil, through many sleepless nights. I was hungry, I was thirsty, many times without food, in cold and without enough clothing. Apart from other things, there's a daily pressure on me of my anxious concern for all the churches. You want to talk about hardship. And yet none of this caused Paul to say, I'm done. I quit. I give up. No, Paul endured because of the grace of God. Because here was a man who lived in the power of God's presence and knew that God was with him through everything. And that if God was allowing this in his life, he was allowing it for the glory of God and the good of others. And so Paul was willing to do it no matter what it was. 
And that's the only way you and I will endure. Is by living in the power of His presence, knowing He's there. He hasn't abandoned us. He hasn't forsaken us. He, he does, it's like He doesn't notice us. He knows exactly what's going on. And He's walking with us every step of the way. Live in the power of His presence. Then back in 2 Timothy 4, 5, do an evangelist's work. Now again, it doesn't mean all of us are called to literally be an evangelist like Billy Graham. That's not what it means. But what it does mean is this. All of us have the responsibility of taking the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ alone to anyone and everyone that we come in contact with when the opportunity presents itself. To take the message of God out to the world. Go, Jesus said, into all the world. And living in the light of His presence will cause us to look around us and just see the lostness around us. And begin to pray for lost people. And to begin to have a burden for lost people. And, and, a, and, a, and begin to pray, God, use me to take the gospel to these people who so desperately need it. And maybe even here tonight, as I'm talking right now, some of you, maybe many of you, already have someone that you know that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And you have a burden for them. Live in the light of God's presence. I can't help but be in large crowds anymore and not look around and go, I wonder how many people know the Lord. Every time I go to, say, a sporting event or I go to the airport and there's all these people moving about, I just look around and I go, I wonder how many of these people are saved and how many aren't. And God wants us to begin to look at other people through His eyes. And realize that when all is said and done, when we get to eternity, where the judge of the living and the dead will appear and set up his kingdom, the only thing that's really going to matter is, do they know Jesus or not? That's the only thing that's going to matter. Who do people say that I am, as we talked about a couple weeks ago in Mark's gospel? Who do you say that I am? That's all that's going to matter. The answer to that question, that's all that's going to matter in the end. And God wants us to live in the light of His presence to bear upon that priority of our life, to always look through life with an evangelist's eyes. To say, God, is there a seed that I could plant? Is there something that I could do, Lord, to be in Your hands? Again, God, we're not responsible for that person's salvation. Don't put that on yourself. But God may want us to share a verse or a message or plant a seed or... Or just live the Christian life in such a way that, that they will want what we have. Because maybe, if for no other reason, they see that we are calm, composed, and collected in the world in which we live. And they scratch their head and go, how can you be so calm, collected, and composed in the world in which we live? And then we have the opportunity, as Peter says, to, to share with them the hope that is within us. Because they've asked. But it's only when you and I live in the light and power of God's presence, do we have those evangelist eyes as we look out to the world? And then finally, Paul says, the other last priority here, fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. Literally, take a cup and fill it up. That's what the word fulfill means. And so he's saying, whatever responsibility God has called you to, 
whatever responsibility, whatever duty God's called you to right now, fill it up. Carry it out. Give it everything you got. Whatever responsibility. So obviously with Timothy, he's like, Timothy, this is your responsibility. Carry it out. Fill it up. Squeeze everything out of the opportunity that God has given you in this role of responsibility that you can. Because again, one day, eternity is coming. And there's not going to be any more opportunity here on earth to make an impact or influence others for Christ. One day, the judge is coming. Of the living and the dead, he's going to appear. He's going to set up his kingdom. No more opportunity. No more opportunity. So fill it up. Fill it up. And then we come full circle. Because doesn't that last phrase also remind us that what we're talking about here tonight is such a privilege for all of us. Even though we don't literally with our eyes see Jesus, Jesus says, I'm with you all the time. I'm with you every day. You have my presence in your life. Well, we all know that the Bible teaches that when, when you and I are given great privileges like that, there's also correspond, corresponding responsibility that comes with it. That's the way life is. If you and I are granted privileges, then we also have responsibility that goes along with it. So God here is saying, I've given you the privilege of my presence. You can live by and in the power of my presence so it bears upon your perspective and your perseverance and your priorities in life. But know that that also carries a responsibility. That because you do have my presence with you every day, I expect, I expect certain things. I expect you not to get caught up in the here and now and earthly things and temporal things, but I expect you to live for eternal things and to be investing in eternity. I expect you, because you've got my presence with you, to persevere and endure and not give up and throw in the towel, no matter what. Because I'm with you. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll uphold you by my mighty hand. And I expect you to keep your priorities in life. To keep the main things the main things. And don't get sidetracked or distracted by minor things. Keep your head about you. Endure hardship. Look at the world through an evangelist's eyes and fill up your ministry. Whatever responsibility God gives us, let's give it everything we have. God is with us tonight. Isn't that cool? And when you and I leave here in a few minutes and we all go our separate ways, God goes with us. So I want you to know that when you go home tonight, lay your head on that pillow tonight, God's with you. And when you and I wake up in the morning, God is right there with us to say, take my hand, let's go through the day together. And when we do, that's living in the power of His presence. Let's pray. God, we thank You for Your mighty presence in our lives. It makes all the difference in the world. It changes our attitude. It changes our perspective. 
our outlook, our mindset, knowing that the Lord of glory, the Creator of the universe, walks with me every day. And God, as Paul has instructed Timothy tonight, may living in the power of Your presence bear upon our perspective in life. May it make a difference in the way we persevere and endure. And may it help us to prioritize our lives in the days in which we have left. God, thank You for being here with us tonight. Thank You for always being with us tonight. Or with us always. And may we live in the power that is Your presence. Every moment of the day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. I'll see you next week.